You're listening to the U.S. Glass Magazine's special daily podcast, Glass Industry Update, The Coronavirus. I'm your podcast moderator, Chris Bunn. This podcast is designed to bring you the latest industry news surrounding the business disruptions in our industry caused by the worldwide pandemic. Be sure to check in daily for a new podcast with the latest updates. And now I'll turn it over to Deb Levy, publisher of U.S. Glass, who will give you an update and introduce our special guest. Well, good day, everyone. I hope that you're doing well today. And again, I hope the virus is far away from you, your family, and your coworkers. I'm pleased today to have with me Charles Alexander. Charles is the Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Walker Glass. And Walker is a fabricator uh, who hails from Canada and does some amazing things with glass. So, Charles, before we go further, I'd like to say welcome. Thank you very much for the invitation. And I'm going to steal the the next minute or so by saying I I think you guys are doing an amazing job and really enjoying the podcast. So, yeah, I'm really, really uh, kudos to you guys for for kicking this off and uh, keeping us going. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying the podcast, Charles. That's great. Um, Let me ask you to start off, if you don't mind telling, I think just about all our listeners and readers would know uh, about Walker Glass, but just in case there are a few out there that don't, can you take us through some of your main product lines and what you do? Sure, yeah. Well, Walker's been around for um, for quite a while. We uh, the company actually started in 1942, so if we do our math, it's almost 80 years. And uh, mm-hmm. it started out as a small manufacturer in the in the mirror business, and the company has grown since then. And today, I'd say we uh, we we service uh, over 300 customers throughout North America and are really in the architectural glazing space. So um, we still um, are the domestic uh, supply leaders in North America, but we um, are in the acid etch glass business, uh, full surface. And we've launched, uh, as of, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, a whole line of bird-friendly products as well. So our customers are fabricators, um, and uh, they buy our product to um, uh, to and add value in, in a number of ways, both exteriors and interiors, um, and as well as office equipment manufacturers buy our product throughout North America as well. So that should give you, your listeners, a little bit of a summary of what we do. It does, and I think that uh, everyone would connect you definitely with the extensive work that you've done in the whole bird-friendly area. You were sort of in that before anybody else was, and it's really grown to be a a very worthwhile type of product to offer. Yeah, I think it's really coming into its own as as the legislation has has taken, you know, is really driving the market and the the need for the product. So I think we see a a good... uh, growth potential in the coming years and we're happy to uh, to be in the, in the space as a leader and working hard to uh, to give uh, our customers what they need. And because you're a fabricator that also sells to other fabricators, you are sort of in that quasi neverland of are you essential, are you not? So can you tell me a little bit about how the Canadian government has worked that and where you fell and and how that's changing? Yeah, that's a that's really a great question, and it's a, it's an interesting on ongoing uh, question. Although we we, you know, um, our our ride in the last sort of month and a half has been a really a, a roller coaster, as as mm. most of, um, other companies that you're speaking with has. And one of those elements has certainly been, are we considered essential or not? And it, to our minds, um, and from um, I, and these are sort of 
fact-based assessments, um, mm-hmm. we see ourselves as a supplier to the essential business supply chain within the, you know, the strategic, what's called strategic infrastructure market, which includes the glass industry. So we, you know, we've really um, tried to understand it as well as we can feel that we're very uh, clear on it, you know, both from the government decree. So our company is located in, in Montreal, in the province of Quebec, in the country of Canada. And um, Quebec was one, you know, quite an, an early um um, an early adopter of um, of really uh, uh, taking hold of the situation as best they could. They they uh, mandated uh, non-essential businesses to close, and um, quite I would say it, it, the actual mandate that we received was in uh, was on March March twenty second twenty third, and we heeded that and actually instru- and, and, and decided ourselves to close down as a measure of conservatism and, you know, just to make sure that um, prior mm-hmm. to doing any assessment of, of reopening that we would do that, you know, you know mainly as a, as, a, as a measure of security for our people, but um, our employees and, and the families uh, of the employees. But really um, from all assessments that we have, both with legal advice and from decrees from the provincial and federal governments we see as ourselves as, a, as an essential supplier to the supply chain. So that's where we stand. I see. And now you've got the good news that you're going to be opening back up, right, next week? Yes. So, um, you know, from from all that, like I said, that we, we studied, we really feel um, it's an obligation of ours to open up to, to supply our customers with their needs as they're deemed essential businesses throughout the supply chain. Um, I say that at the same time, we have really uh, implemented extensive safety and security measures to the extent that um, we're actually asking the employees to come back on a voluntary basis. So only if they deem they're comfortable come back mm-hmm, to work, mm-hmm. will, will we, and from the factory, because we really, of our hundred and 40 employees that, that work at Walker, you know, we have a number that are work in the factory and a number in the office. So the office staff, wherever we can, we, you know, they work from home and work at a distance and you can't have your factory workers doing that. So um, those that are coming back and we're just reorganizing ourselves to come back, we have extensive security and safety measures for them and only if they want to come back. Sure. And I understand you'll be opening up on April 13th. And to your point, uh, how are you going? uh, I'm mentioning this because I had a a listener the other day send me a note and say, you know, Deb, you always ask people, companies, what they're doing uh, to stay safe. And they usually say, well, we're letting our, you know, employees or administrative staff work from home. Uh, What about the people who work in the factory? And, And I had to respond and say, darn good point. So can Uh I ask you to first take me through what some of the measures you're going to be putting in place to ensure the health of your factory employees are? Yeah, sure. You know, we actually started um, putting these uh, safety measures uh, in place long before we closed down. So um, as early as uh, four weeks ago, when we first caught, caught, uh, you know, really COVID caught the attention of of, of everyone, we, we started putting a bunch of measures in place. And I have to say our HR group has done an exceptional job of communicating 
um, of these safety measures and all of the measures throughout the, both the factory and the office. So, um, and that'll be kind of one of the things, one of the themes I was hoping to communicate with uh, with uh, you and, and your listeners that was is, is the topic of communication. But we'll we'll get to that in a second. So one of one of the things that we first did, our HR team did, and um, was to put together a prevention program where um, we really communicated with everyone in our company about what our and our employees' responsibilities are from a health point of view. Uh, what mm-hmm. is what is COVID? You know, what are the symptoms? What to do if you have them? How do we treat um, visitors? And what are their what are their uh, responsibilities? And what should we do as an example, even prior to their arrival? Travel. A whole, a whole policy there where anything that was non-essential, that this was, uh, this was decided back in early March that we would cut home non-essential travel, as an example. Um, and then um, employee hygiene at work, what to practice uh, when you come in to the facility, about hand washing. We provided um, sanitary dispensers to alcohol-based to clean hands uh, pretty much everywhere in the factory and in the office. So we really we really took a lot of pain to communicate this, what to do, and and to provide facilities to do it. Um, I, I'd say another measure we took that was that I I thought was really smart is you know we have a, a cleaning service that comes into our facility once a day. So we increased that. So um, we had the, this cleaning service come in multiple times during the day and clean off everything from, you know, from handrails to doorknobs. So we really stepped this up as quickly as we could. And um, other measures within the factory in terms of physical distancing, all any any uh, um, truckers coming in because we 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 get we receive supplies, glass supplies from the float manufacturers, mm-hmm. and then we and then we we ship out. So there's requirements for anyone coming in to wear masks and to wash, and we provided all of those um, those mm-hmm. facilities I for see. those those folks too. So if you have deliveries being made, you're making sure that the drivers and the delivery personnel are masked before they enter the plant? Yes, it's a requirement both uh, at our end and at the other end as well. I see. So for deliveries that you're making as well, the same is true. That's correct, yeah. yeah. Makes sense. And let me ask you, being uh, down for a couple of weeks has got to have been a bit challenging uh, especially for you and for your customers, and I'm sure that they themselves are, or their customers are, in some cases, selling, uh, you know, uh, deliveries into projects that have tight timeframes that might even have penalties for late, uh, lateness. How how did you deal with that getting through it? I think that could be summarized in one one term: roller coaster. It's been a roller coaster <laughs> ride. I'm sure. And uh, and again, I think the the key as communication has been internally you know to our employees um, externally has been so important we've been you know, we've got a we've got a, a North American sales force and we also have a, a team that talks to architects and um, uh, throughout North America and we have a, a really really a top-notch uh, um, customer service team and I can tell you we've been talking to them night and day I think we, we our teams haven't worked harder and in the last two and three weeks, just to to stay in touch, to understand, because the, to understand the situation of our customers on a daily basis, and we're we're doing it today as we 
ramp up to officially open up. It's it's been a real challenge, but the key is communicating and understand all the issues you mentioned as well as more. When when you know there's some of some of our customers have dis- made decisions to close down, yet mm-hmm. our customer service has has been in touch with their senior team and they said yes we're closed down but we'd like to receive a shipment. Can you do that? And so there's been you know it's just about a lot of uh, keeping in touch and and trying to understand the myriad of situations out there with our customer base. But it's what's the old adage they say once when you're when you feel like you're over communicating you might just be communicating enough you know I think you know when it's appreciated when when you don't get hung up on the other end of the phone right, right. but and along with that just you know human level discussions our our team and our customer service people have genuine relationships with our customers you know um we it's kind of the culture of our company. We we go sure. out of our way to understand and, and get to know our customers. And so there's that side before anything gets done. And then, yeah, and then this whole over-communicating uh, thing that you're saying, it's so important to be out there and, and understanding what's going on. And, right. and yeah. Let me ask you, Charles, have you had anyone, uh, any employees come down with the virus or has it been pr- have you been pretty protected from that? Should we we should knock on our own glass? No, we haven't yet. <laughs> yeah. It's my understanding that most companies have a you know a, a plan in place should want, should an employee or you know uh, someone the employee lives with come down with the virus to handle that. So I was just curious if you've had to go through that or not. Yeah, it's and that's another really good question. So I'd mentioned that we put a, um, a a program in place in early March that that really goes through steps you know, and scenarios such as that exact one. So, you know, we were able to uh, talk through these scenarios with our employees. And, um, and, uh, and so we've been very fortunate um, not to have been confronted with that scenario yet, but we're certainly ready for it. What advice would you give to, what have you seen, what advice would you have for other fabricators going through the same thing, perhaps something you didn't expect that's become crucial or, just a, a little piece of advice that might prove helpful to people. Yeah, and, and maybe it's been stated before. I, I really enjoyed uh, yesterday's podcast with uh, Nadeline Lemedico, mm-hmm. and, and maybe I'm echoing some of her sentiments, but I would say one of the things that, um, that we're doing more than we actually thought is um, our senior team uh, gets together every day and talk and talks about the scenario, you know, the the issues at hand and what to do about it. And so, you know, we we talked about the theme of communication. It's 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 an essential to your customers, but it's also extremely important on the inside of your you know business. And really important is to listen to the issues and concerns of your employees. Um, Nataline really touched on that, and I think it's it's super important. In our case, you know, we. We have um, we're, we're a union shop, and um, and so we have to pay particular attention to the rules and regulations that are in place. But at a human level, it's really important to listen over and above that, and to make sure that the employees feel safe and secure, and provide choices to them. So that's a good think, point. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's super important to be level-headed and listen and uh, take one day at a time. Sure.
Makes sense. And then I also wanted to ask you, and I have to apologize in advance for my own ignorance here, but, you know, we're just getting here in the States our arms around the new um, economic programs designed to help companies through this, like the CARES program. And I haven't really researched, and I apologize for that, but are there similar things coming out from the Canadian government that our Canadian listeners should be aware of? Deb, you should be Canadian because Canadians have a tendency to apologize all the time. They're really good at that. So. <laughs> it's my hobby. <laughs> yeah, well, you do you do a great job. Um, I would say the Canadian government um, has been quite proactive um, and um, actually very good at communicating as well. And there are a number of programs uh, that have come out in the last two weeks, um, some of which will be very, very helpful to our company. And it's part of the uh, reason that we're going to be able to open and open um, to to really assist our customers. So I could tell you a little bit of detail about it if you'd like, but all is to say is our, our government uh, at a federal level um, has been very helpful and we're most appreciative of it. Well, that's good to hear. Now, are there websites that um, Canadian companies can go to very similar to what they have in the States? Yes. Um, both at a provincial, which would be equivalent to your state, as well as mm-hmm. a federal level. But anybody that is a, a Canadian fabricator, and there's quite a few out there, will, I think, be very attuned to and uh, sensitive to uh, this kind of information because the Prime Minister of our country is talks about it every day. Now, that's not to say that all of the kinks aren't worked out. Um, as I mentioned, our, our team uh, meets on a daily basis and our Chief Financial Officer is tasked to get more details on some of these programs, um, but essentially um, the, the way the programs work is if the sale, if your sales as a, a corporation is 30%, you deem it to be 30% less than it was at this time last year, um, the federal government will support their salaries to the tune of 75%. So it's quite significant. In, and um, so... I'm sure that uh, my Canadian colleagues have their ears to the ground on these uh, these criteria and are asking similar questions. Makes sense. Makes sense. Is there anything else you'd like to add or would like people to know uh, about Walker Glass and your reopening or anything else? Well, I, I think I've said quite a bit and I'll be, I'll be happy if everyone has actually listened to the entire 20 minutes. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, I, I would say that... Um, for, for us, communication has been critical both internally and externally um, to, to keep the health and safety of your employees uh, top of mind. And to, to really live this at a human level is so important because, um, yeah, we just, that's in our, our nature as, as, a, as a company and, and as, as individuals. So I think keep up the good work. Uh, let's not get too discouraged about, um, about the short term. Uh, as Nadine said, it's a short-term thing. It, it's gonna, it's gonna take take its course, and uh, um, uh, let's let's keep our chins up and and keep at it. That's great. Well, Charles, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. Thanks for being here. We appreciate it, and please stay safe. Thank you, and let's, I wish I wish you well and 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 good health. And now it's time for our daily update for Thursday, April 9th. Bilco Manufacturing reports that the company is open. It is fully committed to helping 
its customers stay operational by supplying parts, technical support, and even on-site visits, traveling by car if required. And despite the recent safer-at-home order for the state of Wisconsin, major industries reports it is considered an essential business and is continuing normal business processes, including selling, designing, and manufacturing their full line of daylighting systems. Major is not experiencing any supply chain issues at this time. IGP Tools of North Carolina, a distributor to the flat glass, mirror, and ballast glass industries, is considered a supplier essential and an essential industry. IGP is open with a reduced level of employees and an increased stock of glass processing tools, along with cerium oxide, coolant, and other consumables. And the architectural firm Vidaris of New York City has detailed the types of project it is working on through the COVID-19 crisis. Companies working in New York City right now must meet some of the toughest criteria in the country in order to continue working. Vidaris says that if a building has been identified as having an unsafe status, work can continue provided an approved waiver has been obtained. FISP inspections and facade-related violations that order building facades to be inspected and or repaired can continue as well, but do require an emergency work order be posted on the building's lobby door. Vidaris is working on all of these. And that's our update for today. I hope everybody has a good one. Stay safe.